good to see all of you this morning. I assume there is PowerPoint, right? Uh, you've gone too far. Go to the first slide, please. Good. Thank you. All right. So it's good to see all of you this morning, and I trust that the Lord will bless you as we look into his word this morning. Let's pray. And so, Lord, we thank you for the privilege to come, to sing about your love, to think about your son, and to give him all the glory that he deserves. I pray that believers will find encouragement from your word this morning. I pray that non-believers and sinners will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I pray that your spirit will take control and move as it sees fit in our hearts and in our lives. I ask that you will guide my words and my thoughts and that they will bring glory to you. We thank you, Lord, for saving our souls and making us your children. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so two courageous men, uh, part two. And I have a subtitle, Facing the Giants. All right, um, I have a few questions for you because we have to keep things lively. When we hear the word giants in the Bible, what do we think or who do we think of? Who? Goliath. Goliath. So, so how many giants did David face? How many giants did David in the Bible not David McDonald. <laughs> David in the Bible face. It's interesting. How many? One? How many? Two. Two. All right. Keep that thought in mind as we look through the scriptures this morning. Okay? I think we'll answer the question. All right, and we've heard the term grasshoppers before, the last time we spoke, right? Is there any other occasion where grasshoppers are mentioned in the Bible? If you know it very quickly, tell us. Low cost. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's frame it a little bit better. Is there any other occasion where like grasshoppers are mentioned in the Bible? Like, you know, remember the men, they say, we felt like grasshoppers. Is there any other occasion? Where? The ten spies. The book of Revelation. All right. You are going to enjoy this message this morning. All right, so the last time we spoke, now keep all of these things in mind, we will answer them. So it's, I'm not trying to trick you. 
the Bible will speak. That's all it is. The last time we spoke on the giants, remember, I put the summary here so that we can move quickly, that uh, the children of Israel were in the wilderness. There were about two million of them in the wilderness, two million. Because there were at least 600 men, 600,000 men. So I figure there will be at least 600,000 women and maybe approximately 600,000 children. So it has to be more than 2 million. And uh, they, were, they had been delivered from Egypt. God had delivered them. They had been delivered to the Red Sea. And they were on the edge of the promised land. And God spoke to Moses and said, sent out 12 spies, 12 men. So, 12 men, leaders, men that you will call notable men in the community and let them go and spy out the land that I'm going to give you. So, Moses picked 12 men, remember, and uh, I don't remember the name of the other 10 men, I remember the name of two men. Joshua and Caleb. The other ones, I barely remember them. There's a reason why. Because they were not courageous, so nobody names their children Joshua or Caleb. <laughs> so they named them, you know, Joshua and Caleb. So, so, they, so these 12 men, Israel's best, I call them, were sent out. And then they went to the promised land. They were there for 40 days, spied out the land, and then uh, they came back and said, the land is great great land. And uh, they brought back grapes, you know, on their shoulder. And uh, they say we saw the, uh, there's so many Bible passages I have to read this morning, so I'm trying to cut it down. They say we saw the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Amalekites, and all of these guys. And we even saw the Anakins. So I call them the Ites. So they saw the Ites. They're all Amalekites, Jebusites, Ite, Ite, Ite. You get that? So, so we saw all of these people and they are great giants, right? And then Joshua stood up and said, let's go quickly and conquer the land. God is with us. We can surely conquer the land. And the other 10 men said, wait a minute. Not so fast, not so fast. So they said this. So, but the other 10 men said, we can't, we we can't go up against them. They are stronger. I'm reading from here. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites, the land we travel through and explore will devour anyone who goes to live there. What a story. They went in there and came out, and they were not devoured. I guess if you go to live there, you get devoured. Yet the ites were all living there. That's what they said. And the people... Um, who goes, uh, all the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. So when they spread this news, what happened? The entire congregation did like this. We are doomed. In, in uh, Nigerian language, uh, the Yorubas will understand. It's something like Ogbami or something like that. <laughs> so the, it was like we are doomed. And so they cried all night, all night. They were fearful, they were anxious, and they were weeping. And so the ten men said, you know what? 
It's time to go back to Egypt. It's time to go back to Egypt. So they even appointed leaders to take them back to Egypt. And Moses and, uh, Moses and Aaron fell on their knees. And then uh, that was when Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and said, no, it's a good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will take us there. Let's not do anything to offend the Lord. And then when the people heard that, they took up stone and they were about to kill them. That was when the glory of God appeared. So I'm sending you back to Numbers chapter 14 to go and read the rest of the story. And when God responded, he said, well, you are going to, you've refused to believe me, you've refused to trust me, you're going to be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Each day, for one, for each year, for every day that you were in the, the land of Canaan. And uh, everyone that is 20 years old and above will die while you go around the wilderness. And uh, only two men, this is important. Joshua and Caleb survived at the end of 40 years that were more than 20 years old. So you can imagine that when they get to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb are probably very old compared to the rest of the crowd. So, and also something I want you to note, Joshua and Caleb did nothing wrong, yet they were forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. They trusted God to see them through, and they walked with God. All right, so, giants versus grasshoppers. I imagine that, uh, go back, don't be that fast, please. Giant versus grasshopper. So, I imagine that the grasshopper and then giant, right? They saw themselves as grasshoppers, and then they saw the others as giant, and they were afraid. It's, it's amazing to me that the battle had not even started. Nothing had happened. They lost the battle in their minds. And that's usually the case. When we are fearful and when we are anxious and when we are frightened. Often nothing has happened. Except we you know we've built up enough fear within ourselves and get so worked up that we lose the battle. And that's why... Solomon would say stuff like, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So a few giants in the Bible. David, a young man, remember, and the giant. Goliath. Now, the Philistine now mustered their army for battle and camp between that came there, that name. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine rank to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Now notice this thing here. This is what I want you to notice. When Saul... And the Israelites heard this. They were terrified and deeply shaken. The other translation says they were afraid. You know what Goliath did? Notice this. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion started in front of the Israelite army and said the same thing. 
So I, I picture this as Goliath showed up as a one that was going to destroy them, you know, taunted them, and then it retreated in the evening. And so they had something in their head to play all day. We are going to face Goliath. We are going to face Goliath. We are, go- we are doomed. And Goliath made sure that in the evening, before they go to sleep, he showed up, taunted them again. And so when, when they are cli- climbed their bed, yeah, it's going to be awful. So, so he kept them busy all day, and he kept them busy all night, worrying about the giant. Now, tell me something about the modern media. You get the story. Kept them busy all day, all night, took their eyes off the Lord. And when David showed up, he only kept his eye on one person, the Lord. This is important. So, anyway, as a young man, the giant intimidated David. He was fearful. But David defeated the giant. You know the rest of the story. David, as an old man. There were other giants that David faced. The names are there. Once again, the Philistines were at war with Israel. And when David and his men were in the thick of battle, David became weak and exhausted. Ishbi Bernard was a descendant of the giant. His bronze spearhead weighed more than seven pounds, and he was armed with a new sword. He had cornered David and was about to kill him. So David faced more than one giant. He faced the first giant when he was a young man, and in his, in his old age, he faced other giants. That's one of them. So uh, because I don't, uh, <laughs> I want to make sure that we don't, you know, spend too much time. I wrote them down for you. So check it out. Second Samuel chapter twenty-one, verse fifteen to twenty-two. There was Ishbo. I see. I didn't spell that well. Ishbi Bo Nod. He was defeated by somebody. One of David's nephews defeated him. He was about to kill David. Then there was Saf, again, a, a giant, descendant of the giant, defeated by the Sebekiah. And then there was Goliath's brother, Broth now, his brother, that's what I meant to say. He was, he was defeated by Elhanan. And then there was another giant that had 12 fingers and 12 toes. He was defeated by Jonathan. In fact, look at it here. The, these four Philistines were descendants of the giant of Gath, but David and his men warrior killed them. Now I want to make a point. The first time David faced the giant as a young man, he defeated him miraculously. The next time he faced the giant as an old man, he wasn't able to defeat the giant. He took others around him to help him. Many of us have giants and we want to face them all by ourselves. Sometimes you need help from other believers to help you. And also keep something else in mind. Giants don't usually go away. They usually show up at different occasions. Giants don't, oh, I've defeated this one today, so this is the end of the giant. No, no, no. It's a a battle that goes on. 
But the key, though, I wanted you to notice is that they were all defeated. Defeat is guaranteed for all giants as long as we keep our eyes in the right place. You see, I like PowerPoint because it makes it faster. And uh, at least I don't have to keep you till 1 or 1.30. So, all right. So let's move on. The king of the giants. I, I was the one that asked for that song to be sung. My God is the king of the, giant, of the giants. Now, this is a passage that I think we should all be familiar with. I don't know how many of us know this passage, but let's uh, read. This I will read. God. Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 12 to 26. I'm going to start reading that. I believe Clyde preached on Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 1 to somewhere, but uh, it wasn't this one. So God is uh, speaking. Who else has held the oceans in his hands? Who has measured the, of the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and the hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? I heard something about God's wisdom infinite this morning. Who? It's a question. Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in, a bucket, in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it was a grain of sand. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his size, they count for less than nothing. May emptiness and froth. To whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. It says, the people below seem like what? Grasshoppers before him. He spreads out the heaven like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff. To whom will you compare me, who is my equal? Ask the Holy One. Look up into the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. She's trying to figure out how many stars and trying to figure out what to name them. God knows about them all, and he calls all of them by name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. Now, I want you to get this. In This, this is where I wanted you to go, this verse here. God sits above the circle of the earth, the people below, all of us. All of us are like grasshoppers. Those men were right, except their reference point was wrong. They were looking at the other men and saying we are like grasshoppers. They should have looked up. 
and say we are all like grasshoppers because God is great. Now what do you do with this? A verse like this. Very important verse. How to face giants, grasshoppers. You need to remember this verse. I learned it when I was in university. I repeat it after myself. But today I'm reading it from the newer translation. So, let's read. Isaiah chapter 40 from verse 28 to 21. Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. Never. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. But he does something else. He's the creator of the heavens. He's the everlasting God. He doesn't get tired or exhausted. But he does something else. And this is the good news. There. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. I like to still be young so that I can have more strength, but it's getting a little bit late. But I know I can have strength because God gives strength. And I like this translation very much, this one here. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength every day, every moment, new. So the key to finding strength to face the giant is to trust in the Lord. I think the older translation said we renew their strength. But I like the idea of finding new strength because, you know, just when I need it, right? They will saw high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So, trust God if you are a believer. He's the everlasting God. Okay? So that should be our major focus every day. That should be the major focus. But I, I believe that was the focus of Joshua and Caleb. It's not that they didn't see those big guys. They saw them. It's not that they didn't see those fortified walls. They saw them. But they looked beyond them and trusted God. So, see, the way I've written this, I said uh, something like, major focus should be that. But because we are human, sometimes we have other focus. Sometimes I focus on myself. So it should be minor. shouldn't major in it. Or my circumstance should be minor. It shouldn't major on it or on others around me. shouldn't major on it. When I'm focusing on myself and I feel weak, I need to ask for grace to look up. When I'm focusing on the circumstances and I feel like I'm going to be drowned, I need to ask for grace to look up. When I'm focusing on others and they seem like they're giants and they're going to swallow me, I need to ask for grace so I can look up. That's the way to live. So it's a matter of focus, where your focus is. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. When I go to work tomorrow, the 
there might be circumstances that require that maybe f from others or whatever that might require that I react. I need to look up. So, at every point in time, we are focusing on one of four things. God, ourselves, others, or our circumstances. I want us to major on focusing on God. Because what it happens, I think we said this yesterday, trusting God is the key to mental health. Anxieties and worries tend to fly, go away when we trust God. So, that we said this during men's study when I said yesterday. Okay. So, now we are back to Joshua and, and, and Caleb. So, 40 years have passed. All the men that didn't believe had died. And now, they are about to enter the land that God promised. The land that was promised. So God gave a charge to Joshua. Moses had passed away. Joshua had become the new leader. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan Revive into the land, I am giving them. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper. In, and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The only thing Joshua had to go use for the battle was the word of God. The only thing he had to lean on was what God told him. And that's it there. God said, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. But he said something else. Be careful to obey. And then he says something else. Study. This book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. So you will be sure to obey. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you. Focus on God. You see, what he had for battle was God's promise. God had promised to be there. God also gave him some instructions. Say, be strong and be courageous. Don't fear. And then God gave him his word. He says, study continually, meditate day and night, obey everything. It's the same strategy. The Lord Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always. 
and he speaks his word and has given us his word as the anchor that we need. And so, and continually in scriptures, he says, fear not. So focus on God. Study continually, meditate day and night, obey. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus. Oh, I wish that we spend as much time on God's word, thinking about his promises, thinking about what he says. Let me say just a fraction of the time we spend on um, Facebook, um, Instagram. Um, you know what I mean? If we just spent a little bit of that time meditating on the promises of God, focusing on the promises of God, I think we will live happier lives. I think we will live happier lives. But we live in an age where anxiety is built up by continuous, okay, what is he saying today? Breaking news, breaking news, breaking news, breaking news. The news that needs to break is the word of God. Let it break into your heart continuously. Studying it, meditating on it, thinking about it, the promises of God. If we do that, I believe we will succeed. This was God's charge to Joshua. So the charge was focus on me. Don't lose sight of me. Major on these things. And what is interesting is that it's also the key to success as God defines it. And prosperity as God defines it. Okay, so that was God's charge to Joshua before the battle. And it's important for us to look at this. Be strong, be strong, be strong and courageous. So how did Caleb, Caleb I, I say Caleb, and my wife told me it's Caleb. So, so I, hope, I hope I'm right. Caleb, right? Not Caleb. How did, have you ever wondered how did Caleb end? It's there in the scriptures. Let's read together so that you will see this man's ending. A delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb, son of Zephaniah, the Canaanite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, now he's in the promised land in Joshua 14. Remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. Notice his story. I returned and gave an honest report. The implication is that the others did not give what? An honest report. Talk about fake news. <laughs> but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God so that they Moses solemnly promised me the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Notice what this man is saying in verse 10. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me. The Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised, for all these 45 years. 
since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today, because his birthday, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in a great walled city town. But if the Lord is with me, that was what he said the last time we met him. If the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Zephaniah, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Zephaniah, the Canaanite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kareth Abba. It had been named after Abba, a great hero of the descendants of Anna. And the land had raised from war. How did he finish? Did he end well? Yes, he did. He started well, and he finished well. And what was the key? He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. The majority had a different idea in terms of what to do. He followed the Lord. I find it amazing, I find it amazing that this man who did nothing wrong was forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years, and yet he did not complain. In fact, the promise was delayed, not because he had done anything wrong, but because others had done something wrong. And I also find it amazing that this man, at 85 years old, is still ready to fight the giants. The conviction that he had 40 years ago when he was a young man with lots of strength, he still has it when he's 85 years. I find that amazing. And his weapons for battle remain the same. The Lord's presence, the Lord's promise, obedience to the Lord. Lesson, age or aging is no barrier to unreserved commitment to the Lord. The fact that you are old or you are young doesn't matter. You can follow the Lord wholeheartedly from being from childhood to old age. So, it's no barrier. So don't use age as an excuse. Secondly, a godly walk is essential to positive life. If you want to see life in a positive lens, make sure that you are walking with the Lord wholeheartedly. You see, never take the cue from the crowd or what every other one person is doing. Joshua did not. He followed the Lord. He said, I followed the Lord wholeheartedly. So Joshua finished well. Now, oh, sorry, Caleb. Is it Caleb or Caleb? Caleb. Now, we come to Joshua. The book of Joshua tells everything about the battle. And then at the end of Joshua 24, Joshua the man reviews God's exploit, what God has done. So I like to read it. You see, I love to read this stuff. Then Joshua summoned all the tribes of Israel, including the elders, leaders, judges, and officers. So they came and presented themselves to God. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, 
the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and now lived beyond the Euphrates River. And they worshipped other gods, but I, notice, God is speaking, but I took your ancestors, Abraham, from the land beyond the Euphrates, and led him into the land of Canaan. I gave him many descendants through his son Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave the mountains of Seir, while Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I brought terrible plagues on Egypt, and afterwards I brought you out of as a free people. But when your ancestors arrived at the river's Red Sea, the Egyptians chased after you with chariots and charities. When your ancestors cried out to the Lord, I put darkness between you and the Egyptians. I brought the sea crashing down on the Egyptians, drowning them with your very own eyes. You saw what I did. Then you lived in the wilderness for many years. Finally, I brought you into this land of the Amorites on the east side of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I destroyed them before you. I gave you victory over them, and you took possessions of the land. Then it talks about Barak, and I rescued you. Then when you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, the men of Jericho fought against you, as did the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Gishasites, all the sites, you know, they were fighting. But I gave you victory over them. And I sent Pharaoh ahead of you to drive them out, or to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you lands you had not walked on, and I gave you towns you did not build. The towns where you are now living, I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. So he reviewed this. This is a summary, my own summary of what he said. He said, God chose our forefathers. God delivered us from Egypt. God delivered us at the Red Sea. God gave us victory in the promised land. So he mentioned all of that. And the only thing I could come up with looking at this is that it's all of grace. The battle is not for the strong. The race is not for the mighty. It's the grace of God that makes the difference. And we're told, we sang it, marvelous grace of our loving God. It's all grace that God picked Abraham from worshiping idols and then did all of this. It's all grace. And so we must live with that focus in mind. It's all grace, all of grace. God is all of grace. So how did Joshua finish? Did he end well? Yes, he did. So he said this. So fear the Lord and serve him all utterly. Put away forever the idols that your father has. And they say, if you refuse, that's your problem. But as for me and my family, I will serve the Lord. So he, he started well at 40 and he finished well. Only very few people in the scriptures start well and finish well. Caleb and Joshua are among the few. It's very easy to start well, you know, going... It's, it, but, you know, the race is, is a race. It's not a sprint. So you have to, you know, keep your eyes focused on the Lord to finish well. And our desire is to be able to finish well. Wrapping up, facing giants today or grasshoppers. How do we face them?
A great passage again that you should note, Ephesians chapter 6. Paul writes, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. So the devil has strategies. And the strategies target you and me. No exclusion. If you are a child of God, you are in the devil's, did they say bullseye? You are a target. But it says, put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Enemies. You say, I, I don't fight. I didn't know I was even in a fight. Now you know you are. Because you say, we are not fighting. That assumes you're already in the fight. It's not one of those fights that you say, I chose to come in. No, by becoming a child of God, you are in the fight. So we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. A while back, somebody preached on Job and the plans that were being made against him. Yeah, so, and against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirit in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good so that you'll be fully prepared. In, ad in addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fairy arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your ailment and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray. Notice the last one. Pray. Pray. In the spirit. How often? At all times. On what occasion? That will include now. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayer. For how many people? For all believers. Be strong. That was what he told Caleb. Be strong and courageous. In the New Testament, we are told the same thing. Be strong. So because I know those that will say, yeah, those promises was for Caleb or for Joshua. Uh, you tend to mix up old and new. You know, no, no, that was specifically for Joshua. Don't bring it, no. It says we should be strong. And in fact, it says be strong in the Lord. That's what it says. And it's, there is an enemy and we need to stand firm. So all of these armors have been mentioned and we need to pray at all times, every occasion, and be strong. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in the Lord Jesus. So we have grace to stand on. All of these armors have only one thing present, God. God is my victory. God is my source of strength. God is my hope. God will help me. God will be with me. God will strengthen. It's almost like we were chosen not to live independent life, but dependent life, dependent on God. 
And you cannot have victory without looking up. A story, and then I'll round up. I started, it was strange, I started about 20 minutes to, and I'm still going, so bear with me. A story. A father had a son, and the son was, um, the father had something serious that he wanted to do, and the son kept coming down. He said, Dad, I want you to come and play with me. Come and do this with me. Come and do this with me. So the father was looking for a way to distract the son, so he brought out a large, uh, uh, he had a large pile of books or so, paper, so he gave him one. He said, go and draw dinosaur. So the boy would go, within two minutes, he brought it back. So the father gave him the next one. He said, go and draw fish. The guy would go, within two, so the father said, you know, he, want, he didn't want to be distracted. He thought, when I hand my son this, it would take him time to do it. So he asked him to draw frog. He asked him to draw all kinds of things. And the boy was coming back every two minutes, you know, with, the, with ni- nice pictures. You know, how uh, nice sketches. How do you do this? He said, at least I'm, I'm good at it. I'm good at it. So the father said, oh, I have to find, I have to find something that I will ask this guy to draw that at least will cause him to think and that will cause him to, to at least will keep him busy while I do what I'm supposed to do. So finally, so the father said, okay, I want you to draw me a picture of God. The father said, yes, I've gotten him to draw a picture of God. Who has seen God and who knows the picture of God? So the guy went back and then, and then he was back. There, that's the picture. So the father said, how did you get that? Nobody has seen God. Nobody knows what God looks like. The son said, now they will know. (laughs) The Lord Jesus came to give us a great picture of God so that we will know what God looks like. To reveal to us the heart of God that's what, before these guys in the Old Testament, they saw pictures. But he came down to give us the heart of God. Marvelous grace of our loving God. He has painted the picture and has shown us the extent and the scope of God's love and concern for us. So now we know what God looks like. They didn't know, we do. We have the word of God revealing to us God's love, God's grace, God's mercy. We have more resources than any of them in the Old Testament. So if you want to have peace and calmness in your heart, stay close to the word. Stay close to God. If you want to walk with joy and confidence, stay close to God. Stay in the book. Jesus has revealed to us what God is. And so we don't have excuses. They might have had, but we don't. And so we need to stay in the world, stay close, and then we will see the mind of God. Now I want to address those who don't know the Lord. Again, the Lord Jesus came to 
give us the picture of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's why he came. So that you can believe in him and have everlasting life. So if you don't know him as your savior, please. And you want to know him, today should be the day. Marvelous grace of our loving God freely bestowed on all who believe. So we have abundance grace. We live in the era of grace. Better representation of God. The cross tells us of God's love. We have so many resources. Great music that can repeat scriptures over and over in our mind, in our age, so that we can ponder on God. Great, you can even play the Bible to yourself as you are walking on the trail or wherever, even in the bus. So we have the resources to make sure that we flood our minds and heart with the word of God so that we can focus on the right thing. If we do that, victory is guaranteed. Let's pray. So Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. I just pray you help us to keep the right focus. Focus on you. We know there's so much anxiety, so many things that can distract us and that can keep us away from you. Help us not to lose perspective that we are your children and you love us and that you care for us, that you are advocate and much more. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to read it, meditate on it, live it. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we sing more than conqueror? Do you have a minute to sing more than conqueror? I mean, I know the time is gone, but... You know, we can sing.